Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean, so good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. It is Wednesday, August the 3rd, 2022. And uh, fertilizer limits are spreading. It's not just the Sri Lankans and Dutch that have to deal with all of this. No. In fact, Canada has been getting a taste of this. Robert Krychik from Breitbart News is going to be on at 35 past the hour to give us sort of what's going on up there in Canada with Justin Trudeau and the government there, sort of wanting a 30% reduction in fertilizer, but they've already been doing that. So what gives? We'll find out at 35 past the hour. Hey, leading Canadian Jesuit outlines new missionary goal of welcoming indigenous spiritualities. Hey, you hear that? Yeah. Yeah, that's the sound of uh, St. de Brebeuf turning over in his grave. We'll talk about that at 15 past the hour. Also, the Eucharistic miracle in in Mexico. Hmm, did the bishop ever get the memo? I don't think he did. We're going to have a conversation about this Eucharistic miracle at uh, 7.05 or, or at 5 past the next hour, if you can join us then, with David L. Gray. So please join us if you can. So much in the news to cover today, of course. The uh, Florida Education Commissioner has reported that the USDA is threatening to withhold funds for food unless transgender policies get enforced in their school systems there. So there's that. Hey, the Earth, by the way, spun 1.59 milliseconds faster on June uh, 29th than usual. Uh, Does that signal the end of the world? I have no idea. China announced that it will conduct live-fire military drills around Taiwan in honor of Nancy Pelosi's visit. So, yeah, that's kind of fun. And the pro-life movement did suffer a defeat in Kansas yesterday with uh, the the Kansians. How do you say it? Kansians. All saying that they would like to have abortion there. So... That's fun. Oh, one more piece of good news here for all you Star Wars fans out there. The Padawan, a new Star Wars spinoff novel published by Disney, focuses on teens and young adults. Guess what? They say Obi-Wan Kenobi is bisexual. So enjoy that. (laughs) Good morning to you, Rudy. Well, I guess uh, with Star Wars, they can retcon anything in the past and make it whatever they want. I wonder how Lucas is feeling these days. (laughs) Like, why did I do this? I think Lucas was over it. But uh, $1 billion worth of over it? Maybe. Joe, you know, I'm concerned (laughs) that the Earth spun faster on June 29th. Why? Why I don't know. That's uh, that's kind of strange, don't you think? Maybe Uh, it explains why my clock in my car is one minute faster. It's 1.59 milliseconds faster. Hmm. The Earth, not your, not, hmm. Hmm. I don't know. We'll, We'll ask the aliens when they show up. Oh, okay. You know. Maybe it coincides with the last time mm-hmm. the Large Hadron mm-hmm. Collider was turned off. <laughs> Someone's connecting dots again. You need mm-hmm. to get the tenfold the hat out of the closet over there oh, yeah. and put it on. Good idea. Speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Is it? It is good to be here. In spite of it all? Well, you know what is really good news? Uh, the Earth's spinning faster? The, the good news mm-hmm. is that we are going to have an amazing... Franciscan saint for the saint of the day. What? Mm-hmm. Are you feeling mm-hmm. okay? Are you mm-hmm. all right? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I have a little bit of a little bit of a headache. You know, I'm, I'm <laughs> headachey a little bit. Uh, a little you bit. meant to say revelation? 
well, uh, mystical experience. It's it's a it's a great it's a great Franciscan saint. Holy I, Father I Francis has been speaking to you. But also, you know what today is? What is today? Today is the vigil of the feast of Saint Dominic. Really? Hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but we're not talking about that. So tomorrow is going to be lit. Okay. Okay. <laughs> tomorrow is going to be lit. <laughs> it's going to be yeah, lit. Dominican. So, if you can uh, hit up a Dominican church for the vigil or tomorrow, you should do so. It's a good mm. time. It's a good time. 10 out of 10 would recommend. All right. Well, guess what? Another piece of bad news here. San Antonio, which is in our Guadalupe Radio Network family, uh, passed the city passed a resolution yesterday supporting abortion access. They can't legalize it necessarily, but uh, nonetheless, they're making their voice heard. So that's kind of sad to see the city of San Antonio, another great Franciscan, by the way, Adrian, uh, St. Mm. Anthony, um, have to endure such insanity let's pray for them uh, speaking of prayer we're going to jump in we have a lot to get to today so join us if you can in the name of the father the son and the holy ghost amen remember O most gracious virgin mary that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection implored thy help or sought thine intercession was left unaided inspired by this confidence i fly unto thee O virgin of virgins my mother to thee do i come before thee i stand sinful and sorrowful O mother of the word incarnate Despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Wednesday, August 3rd, and here are your headlines this morning. Breitbart reports Nancy Pelosi lands in Taiwan, defies Biden administration, and China. The Biden administration opposed her trip out of fear that it would further destabilize the U.S. relationship with China at a time when the U.S. is suffering from high prices of goods, supply chain disruptions, and pursuing a green agenda, all of which the administration hopes that it can work with China on as midterm elections loom. The trip also caps Pelosi's career as an opponent of the Chinese Communist Party as she nears retirement but could help distract from a string of bad press after her husband, Paul Pelosi, was recently arrested for drunk driving and for his stock purchases seemingly timed with congressional action. Reuters reports Russia accuses U.S. of direct Ukraine war role and grain ship anchors off of Turkish coasts. Russia has accused the United States of direct involvement in the Ukraine war, while the first ship carrying Ukrainian grain to world markets since Moscow's invasion anchored safely off of Turkey's coast after a problem-free journey. Russia said it was responding to comments by Vadir, uh, Vadim rather, Skibitsky, I hope I pronounced that right, U- Ukraine's deputy head of military intelligence, about the way Kiev had used U.S.-made and supplied high-mobility artillery rocket system launchers based on what he called excellent satellite imagery and real-time information supplied by the U.S. The Washington Examiner reports DOJ sues Idaho over law-imposing near-total ban on abortion. The Justice Department filed a lawsuit against Idaho over the state's law banning abortion after six weeks, Attorney General Merrick Garland announced on Tuesday. The legal filing marks the first time President Joe Biden's Justice Department launched a challenge against a state for abortion restrictions since the landmark case overturning Roe. Justin News reports, three in four millennials are more than $100,000 in debt. A large majority of millennials have accumulated over $100,000 in debt outside of a mortgage, according to a recent study. The study found that 72% of millennials had some form of debt other than a mortgage and on average owed $117,000.
67% of which had some sort of credit card debt averaging $5,349, and 48% had student loans averaging $127,000. study also found that millennials spend nearly half of their monthly income on housing alone. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day, the great Franciscan saint, Blessed Augustine Kozik, Bishop of Lucrea, and, wait, did I say Franciscan? I meant Dominican. There we go. He was born in Trau de la Mesia in 1260 or 1262. Augustine was born into a wealthy family who provided him with an excellent education. At 18, he and an Italian friend headed to the Dominican novitiate in France, near Pavia, Italy. They were attacked by enemies of his family who left the bodies of the two boys in the snow by the side of the road. Augustine was badly injured and his friend died. When he recovered from his injuries, Augustine continued to the Dominican novitiate and Augustine spent most of his life battling heresy. In his native Dalamatia, he fought against the Manichaean heresy, in Sicily against Islam, and in Hungary, both. In every situation in which he found himself, Augustine gave proof of his virtue and good judgment. When Cardinal Baschicini came to Hungary as a legate, he noted the wisdom and tact of his brother Dominican. And when he himself ascended the papal throne as Benedict XI, he appointed Augustine Bishop of Zagreb in Croatia in 1303. This diocese was in chaos when Augustine assumed the cathedra. His three predecessors had all tried but failed to repair the ravages of heresy, plague, and schism. The new bishop began by reforming the clergy. He finished building the cathedral and made a complete visitation of his entire diocese. His work was to bring him into violent conflict with the government, but spiritually he restored the entire see during his episcopacy. Several charming miracles are related about Augustine. The river of Zagreb was unfit to drink, so the Dominican fathers asked Augustine to pray for a new supply. At his prayer, a fountain sprang up in the yard of the convent and abundantly supplying their needs. Another time, he planted a tree in a little village, and the leaves turned out to have healing properties. On one occasion, when Bishop Augustine was dining with Benedict XI, the Pope, feeling that a missionary bishop must eat well to preach well, had a dish of partridge set before Augustine, who never ate meat. Because he did not want to offend the Pope, he prayed for a resolution to the situation. And it was said that God turned the partridge into fish. Augustine was transferred from Zagreb to Lucretia, Sicily. There he continued his holy government, using his characteristic gentleness, his gift of healing. He promoted devotion to St. Dominic, to St. Thomas Aquinas, and to St. Peter Martyr, and all the Dominican brothers. Feeling that he was near death, he returned to the Dominican convent in Nocretia to die among his brethren. Under his statue in the cathedral of Nucrea is the legend Sanctus Augustine Episcopus Lucrinus Ordinis Predacatorum, an indication of the veneration in which he is held. He died in 1323, and his, his cultus was reconfirmed by Pope Clement XI in 1702. Blessed Augustine, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 28. At that time, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman 
of that district came out and called out, Have pity on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not say a word in answer to her. His disciples came and asked him, Send her away, for she keeps calling out after us. He said in reply, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. The woman came and did him homage, saying, Lord, help me. He said in reply, It is not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. She said, Please, Lord, for even the dogs eat the scraps that fall from the table of their masters. Then Jesus said to her in reply, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed from that hour. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I always think it's just amazing. Uh, he insults her. I mean, this, this, he calls her a dog, and still she doesn't let that, uh, she doesn't let that uh, bother her too much, right? How, would you? I wonder. I mean, how do you deal it with, deal with people insulting you? Are you as incredibly um, gracious, as uh, humble as this Canaanite woman is? I probably, speaking for myself, no, of course not. When someone insults me, I, I get defensive, just like most people do with a concupiscent nature, right? Well, uh, she not only doesn't deal uh, harshly with him because of the insult, but she calls him the son of David. She worships him as God. She has persistence in her requests and believes with her whole heart and faith that this man, this God-man, could heal her daughter. And I let that sink in. This was essentially a dig at the scribes and the Pharisees who lacked faith that the Lord would go to Gentile country. And not just any, we're not talking about Greeks here, although their Greeks did have a role in the Syrophoenician thing. But nonetheless, we're talking Canaanite. Okay, so really, really bad Gentile people. And still the Lord uses this opportunity to shame the scribes and the Pharisees for their lack of faith. Hadock's commentary says, The great faith of the Canaanite, Canaanite woman is justly extolled. She believed him to be God, whom she calls her Lord, and him a man whom she styles the son of David. She lays no stress upon her own merits, but supplicates for the mercy of God. Neither does she say, Have mercy on my daughter, but have mercy on me. To move him to compassion, she lays all her grief and sorrow before him. Let us learn this lesson today from this incredible, incredible woman from Canaan who has faith and perseverance and the one person who can actually save us. We'll be right back. We are a young and diverse generation helping those in need and promoting human rights. We care for the environment. We embrace authentic witnesses and dream of a better world. Our passion comes from God, who loves us even when we fall and cheers on our victories. If you sometimes wonder, is there something more? Then come and see at CatholicsComeHome.com. Some time back, I had a chat with some Jehovah Witness ladies, and they made the assertion that the first Christians didn't believe Jesus was God. That belief was a later invention. But is this true? 
No, it's not. Leaving John 1-1 off to the side for now due to disputes with Jehovah Witnesses over its translation, John 20-28 records the Apostle Thomas saying to Jesus, which literally translates from the Greek, the Lord of me and the God of me. John says of Jesus in 1 John 5.20, This is the true God and eternal life. Paul writes of Jesus in Colossians 2.9, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. It doesn't get any clearer than that. There are many more passages, but these suffice to show that the first Christians did believe that Jesus was God. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Robert Krejcik from Breitbart is going to be our guest. We're talking about Canada again. Uh, the Canadian farmers have been asked to reduce by 30% their nitrogen slash fertilizer emissions, although they've been doing this all by themselves for years now, but somehow the Canadian government has come to the rescue. We're going to talk about what that means. Uh, it generally means less food and all those related problems, but we're going to get that input from Robert Krychek at 35 past there. So stick around for that if you can, but there are, as I say, lots of stories in the news that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you as well. And speaking of Canada... We saw this article coming out of LifeSite News this morning. The headline says, Leading Canadian Jesuit outlines new missionary goal of welcoming indigenous spiritualities. Hmm. Let's get into this. This is uh, very interesting here. It says, In a marked difference from the Jesuit missionaries famously known as the North American Martyrs, today's Jesuits have redefined their mission to the indigenous tribes of Canada as one aimed at assimilating the natives' non-Christian spirituality into the new ecological spirituality being uh, pushed within the church. In an interview in an interview with Vatican News, Father Giles uh, Magau, uh, hopefully I'm probably brutalizing his name there, uh, S.J., so he's a Jesuit, Vicar Provincial of the Jesuits of Canada, gave some details as to the modern approach the Company of Jesus was taking when it came to the evangelization of the native tribes of Canada. This modern approach included teaching the spiritual traditions of the natives and using indigenous ceremonies in Catholic religious services. Hmm. In spite of the fact that native spiritual traditions involve calling upon the spirits of the dead and venerating deities of nature, like Mother Earth, for instance, such as witnessed in the smudging ceremony in which Pope Francis took part this past week. Quote, with respect to education, uh, the good father said, we actively support two middle, we actively support two middle schools that concentrate primarily on indigenous children. They give a lot of attention to individual pupils and their families and teach indigenous cultural and spiritual traditions. Concerning language and culture, we encourage the use of indigenous languages and ceremonies in Catholic religious services. Close quote. Hmm. 
Yikes. In a turnaround from the previous Catholic rejection of the spiritual traditions and ceremonies of indigenous tribes as pagan superstitions, a rejection understood by Jesuit missionaries as an essential aspect of truly accepting the gospel, the Canadian Jesuit vicar provincial castigated earlier mission efforts aimed at converting the natives to Christianity and called for a decolonization of the quote, practice of the Christian faith, close quote. Instead, he said, Canadian Catholics need to, quote, appreciate the richness of indigenous spiritualities, close quote. Going on to say, in September 2019, uh, Father Giles uh, S.J. explained, the Canadian provincial Father Eric Oland S.J. assigned a Jesuit priest to work full-time to promote our 2015 commitment to work toward decolonization among Jesuits in a more systematic way by encouraging our ministries to develop relations with indigenous people, communities, and organizations. As part of these efforts, Jesuits in training are involved in experiences led by indigenous elders. Going on to say, quote, we are also exploring, says the father, with indigenous and non-indigenous Christians ways to decolonize the practice of the Christian faith and to encourage Catholics in Canada to appreciate the richness of indigenous spiritualities, close quote. Now, before I go on, let's, let's just take a pause here and take in what we've just uh, read about the good Jesuit and uh, their new role in Canada to decolonize the, the indigenous people and to, of course, embrace all of their pagan spiritual practices. This is something we've talked about on a number of occasions. We just talked about it last week. We had Kennedy Hall on the program. Uh, you can always uh, find that conversation in our podcast feed if you want to listen to it, if you haven't done so already, or you can find the video on the YouTube channel. But nonetheless, uh, this is troubling. This is very, very troubling. As I uh, was saying last week, I had, uh, was going through Bernal Diaz's uh, journal, his work on recounting the conquest, uh, defeating Satan himself in Mexico City under the command of uh, Hernan Cortez. And when Hernan Cortez, you know, very skillfully, very diplomatically, uh, in, you know, in, he gets Montezuma to invite him up to the top of the temple where they are sacrificing humans and eating their flesh as an offering to the devil himself. And he skillfully gets to the top with his entourage up there, and he sees firsthand this diabolic activity. And then he goes inside the little hut at the top of there. They only, they only let him into a small part of it, not the whole thing. And what he saw was gruesome. These, these idols that were inside there covered and smeared with the blood of thousands of human sacrifices. Uh, the snakes that were involved. This imagery of the fallen Garden of Eden. The animals that were at the base of their temple that ate the flesh of the bodies that they tossed over the steps as they rolled down. And uh, and Hernan Cortez was dead set at that point in the adventure to defeat Satan himself and to free these people from their diabolic oppression. And uh, he would do, he would go above, you talk about SEAL Team 6, you should read the account of Bernal Diaz on what they had to do. They were like 10 to 1. Uh, overwhelmed by the indigenous forces there, and they defeated them through perseverance and the sheer desire to defeat Satan. 
I mean, it's amazing. They found Montezuma's gold, and, and Hernan Cortez says, don't take it. And the Spaniards that did drowned in the water in their fleeing from Mexico. Uh, it, it's amazing. It's an amazing story. You should look into it, because you've probably been lied to in school about the adventures and the exploits of Hernan Cortez. But why do I bring it up? Because of the, the North American martyrs who out of great desire and zeal for souls came to this continent, they could have lived very comfortably. They could have lived very easily in France. You know, the finest wine in the rectory. Why bother? Why bother going to a new continent, being eaten alive by mosquitoes without any repellent, by the way, and, uh, and have to endure the tortures of these indigenous peoples? We talk about decolonization. I wonder, college you is, if, if we would want to decolonize the tragedies that happened under uh, the Hurons or the, or the Mohawks uh, or the many other tribes who would go to their neighboring tribes and, and pillage them and murder them and steal their women and children. Would we decolonize those things? Probably not. Only European colonization is bad these days. Now, it's interesting because uh, de Berbeuf or, or many of the other uh, North American martyrs, they were tortured, and they never, ever recanted their faith. They never begged for their own personal mercy. They died martyrs under insane torture. Their bodies, their skin being flayed from their, from their bodies while they were still yet alive, burned, their hearts ripped out and eaten by the indigenous people. Why did they persist? Why did they insist after torture to continue this mission? Because they desired deeply and passionately for the conversion of these people who are children of the Most High God. They wanted to save them from the tyranny of diabolic oppression. And these pagan rituals, they were, uh, uh, they were the heart of their enslavement. And they knew that that had to go. Now, that you're taking their culture away. We said this last week, too. Somewhere there's a fine line, right? Like, how much of one's culture has to go away? I look back at my own ancestral roots in Scotland and Ireland. Those were pagan peoples who worshipped the devil and the demons. Uh, how much of the culture had to go and how much stayed? It's a fine balance, and I don't propose to have the answer to that, but I do know this, that we are living in a time where we just pretend as though it's all okay. Well, certainly it's not. So maybe there's a balance here between, of course, they can keep their language, but they got to give up on the pagan practices because that's harmful to their souls, and that would not be good for them, right? Like somewhere in the middle lies the answer. But nonetheless, the Jesuits are embracing, seemingly, according to this article and what we're seeing in front of us play out, they're, they're, they're buying into this idea that all religions are equal. They're not. There is only one religion that has embraced uh, the, the truth because it was founded by the truth himself. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. John chapter 14, right? He is the only way to the Father. No one gets to the Father but by Him. He is the, the doorway to the, from the flock to the, the pastures. And the sheep, uh, you know, they know Him. They know His voice. So why then are we reversing 
the great sacrifice of the North American martyrs. Why would we do this? I was also seeing an article this morning out of TFE, TFP Student Action that talked about the North American articles. Let me read a little bit of this to you. It says, In the field of apostolate, the Jesuits proved to be masters, instructing the natives in the Catholic faith through many ingenious means, rather, such as putting the truths of the Catholic faith into songs for the young Hurons. In fact, the missionaries placed great emphasis on the apostolate with young natives. St. Daniel was especially devoted to this youth apostolate. A native of the city of Normandy in France. Uh, St. Daniel was ordained a priest of the Society of Jesus in 1630. Two years later, he sailed to the New World to take up missionary activities on Cape Breton Island in Nova Scotia. Later on, he did work on the mainland at a village called, uh, which I can't pronounce right now. He made a uh, he made inroads in his work with the native children who, although unruly and irascible, were won over by Father Antoine's kind ways. The priest had such great success that before long he taught them to sing the Our Father, the Hail Mary, and the, the Ten Commandments. He got a choir together that would sing at the masses and, as a result, attracted a great number of curious adult Hurons to the religious ceremonies. Eventually, Father Antoine came to Quebec where he established the first college for boys in North America. He ended up at the Huron village where on July 4th, 1648, an Iroquois war party appeared at the town gates. Father Antoine rushed to the chapel where the terrified inhabitants were gathering. He gave general absolution to them and taking his handkerchief, dipped it into holy water, baptizing all the catechumens who were present. His next move was totally unexpected. This courageous priest left the chapel and walking toward the bloodthirsty Iroquois commanded them not to enter the chapel. The astonishment of the Iroquois warriors quickly gave way to rage and they charged him. Father Antoine was hit by a bullet and was killed instantly. Taking his body, the Iroquois tossed it into the chapel, which they set ablaze. Is the work of the saintly Father Antoine for nothing? Well, I wonder what the modern Jesuits would say, and I wonder what Father Antoine would say. We'll be right back. More is coming up next. Looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning, all in an environment that is faithful to the magisterium? Recommended by the Cardinal Newman Society, the University of Dallas offers an exceptional liberal arts education, preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for the world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Money, sex, power. They're all endlessly enticing, but never fulfilling. They always lead to a dead end. Materialism cannot satisfy. Pleasure loses its pleasure. And most people figure that out, and in desperation, they look anywhere for help. Except to the church. They look to Eastern philosophies, to spiritualism, to strange new religions. But there's only one answer to their eternal questions. They deny it, they dance around it, they run from it, but they won't try the one thing that works. They won't try it because they know what it costs. Everything. 
It means taking up your cross and following Jesus in all things. G.K. Chesterton says, The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired, and uh, now more headlines. Catholic News Agency reports, Guadalajara Archbishop, throughout investigation of alleged Eucharistic miracle needed, or thorough investigation rather, Cardinal Ortega of Guadalajara, Mexico, recently spoke out about an alleged Eucharistic miracle posted on social media which supposedly occurred at a parish in his archdiocese. Speaking to the press, Robles said that the case is very serious because it's a matter of the greatest sacrament of our faith, where we are certain, sure of the real living presence of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. It's a very sensitive issue that some extraordinary element be recorded or made official without the ecclesiastical authority knowing what happened, reviewing the details that have to be reviewed in order to say that it's a supernatural, prodigious act, a miracle, he said. The Cardinal noted that up to this moment he hadn't received any report from the parish priest, nor from the priest who led the prayer, nor from the faithful themselves who experienced what they saw. Catholic Vote reports Kansas pro-life amendment fails. The value them both amendment was defeated in a referendum vote in Kansas on Tuesday as of late Tuesday night, with 82% of the votes counted no was leading 61% to 39% yes. The constitutional amendment would have repealed the so-called right to abortion that the state Supreme Court said was in the Kansas Constitution, paving the way for pro-life legislation. The Value Them Both Amendment was the first to put abortion on a statewide ballot after the Supreme Court's overturning of Roe v. Wade in June. Pro-life advocates had hoped Kansas would lead the way and spur another wave of momentum in the movement as uh, other states moved to either protect the unborn or further entrench the language of Roe in law. In Florida's Voice reports, PayPal unfreezes moms for Liberty Funds after DeSantis announces crackdown on woke banking. Moms for Liberty said PayPal unfroze the money in the group's account following Governor Ron DeSantis' announcement last week that Florida would crack down on woke banking. Moms for Liberty was funded in, founded in 2021 by parents and former school board members. Their mission focuses on defending parental rights with massive grassroots networks of parents across the country. PayPal recently released the funds after Governor Ron DeSantis' press conference announcing that he wants legislation passed to prohibit transmitters like uh, PayPal from discriminating against customers for their religious, political, or social beliefs. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. You know, we saw not that long ago, I guess a week or two ago, the, uh, the Sri Lankan craziness uh, which all started with green farming mandates there and the food shortages, fuel shortages, things like that, which led to their president fleeing the country and and chaos ensued. Of course, the Dutch farmers are still at it, actually, still protesting uh, their mandated uh, reductions. And we're seeing this now spread to Canada. Joining us now to discuss this, Robert Krychek from Breitbart. Good morning to you, Robert. Good morning, guys. Good to be with you. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for coming back on the program today. Uh, Trudeau, I guess he's on vacation right now or something like that. I don't know. He's uh, he's escaped to uh, to a vacation spot, but there's a lot of pressure on him. And I hear that uh, he's not too popular these days in Canada. What's going on? Well, l- let's hope that that's true. Uh, but to your earlier point about the Dutch farmers' protests and what we've seen in Sri Lanka, of course, you're right. There's this 
global interconnectedness between what I view as many of our criminal governments unifying on a particular front that they describe as climate change or global warming. And the remedy is always the same, to further empower them, to further enrich them, to protect us from ourselves. So we as free individuals cannot be trusted to make the right choices that would uh, lead to preservation of the planet in the face of these things that they describe as existential planetary threats. So on the specific side, in terms of the details of these proposals, um, we've got these forthcoming restrictions on fertilizer consumption related to greenhouse gas emissions that the government attributes to the use of these fertilizers for agricultural production. And if I recall correctly, the particular targets are something like a 40% reduction below what they define as 2005 levels by 2030. And by 2050, they want to get to so-called net zero. That's, of course, uh, a buzz phrase or <laughs> catchphrase that I'm sure you guys and the audience are familiar with. Again, just total surrender to government control to protect us from ourselves, to stop all consumption of fossil fuels and production of greenhouse gases through normal human endeavor. Now, I understand that there is one difference between uh, Sri Lanka and the Netherlands and Canada in, in that uh, Trudeau's government isn't mandating it, at least not yet. They're simply setting goals. Have you heard that? I, I've heard that, but there are also going to be taxes coming down the line. So there will be measures through government coercion to enforce compliance. Remember that all of these endeavors would never be accepted voluntarily by a free population. That's why all of these things that we regularly speak about in terms of governmental abuses always come through the iron fist of the state. Uh, Mr. Krajcik, you know, th this is obviously, like you mentioned just a minute ago, uh, a weaponization of this uh, so-called green agenda, right? Um, and it's supposed to help the people down the line. You know, the, if you if you look at their intentions, it seems on the surface, oh, yeah, well, this is going to benefit you. But ultimately, what it's going to have, the effect that it's going to have, it's, it's going to cut down the amount of food that's in the supply chain. I'm wondering how much um, how much agriculture is based in Canada and, and how much of that will impact uh, Canadians. Well, uh, I'm going to gently disagree with you in terms of what I think is an assumption on your part of good faith on the part of the government, or at least you're just throwing it out there to be <laughs> yeah, charitable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you use the word intentions. I don't even accept the premise that our overlords have good intentions. But I, even if I do for the sake of discussion, I we all agree are familiar with, with the phrase. Okay, there we go. So we're on the same page. <laughs> so, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, mm -hmm. and you better be very concerned about people who are absolutely certain of the morality and righteousness of their cause when they're telling you that they need to protect you from yourself. But now, in, in your specific question, I'm sorry, I don't know the answer to uh, the question of how much agriculture is actually produced in Canada. I know it's enough. You know, we produce quite a bit, and... As far as it helping people down the line, as you put it, of course, that's not the case. And I think we can describe this as most government endeavors where the marketing to us of this control that they seek over us is always that we will benefit from surrendering our individual sovereignty and from giving them more of the fruits of our labors. 
right? This is how they always justify their encroachments, their abuses, and their parasitism. Now, uh, real-life impact, of course, it just makes life worse in terms of, at a bare minimum, making life more expensive. And this is something, of course, your mostly American audience can relate to. We're seeing this government-driven, manufactured artificial inflation through many mechanisms, including what you and I are describing right now, which is this so-called green agenda, which drives up costs for the production of just calories to sustain human beings. You know, it's funny, uh, you made me think about uh, the, the verbiage that's used in the Biden administration here in the United States uh, about our current economic situation. They refuse to call it a recession, instead they call it a transition, which leads to the question, transition to what exactly? Uh, <laughs> and then uh, here we are dealing with these sort of global trends, these common denominators that we see across the, the planet and uh, this uh, fertilizer e nitrogen emissions reduction by 2030. Golly gee whiz, I wonder what that year is going to look like. Uh, is a major problem. And uh, to the point Rudy made a minute ago, Canadian farmers are warning this is going to be less food, which means people are going to likely starve. Now, maybe Canadians, Americans, uh, maybe we have uh, just enough excess to not starve to death. But what does this mean for the people who depend on Canadian food, uh, depend on American crops, or uh, like the bread, the grain that comes out of the Ukraine, which they have less of today? We are seeing starvation in parts of Africa and the Middle East and, and other parts. Uh, why would these governments be so tone deaf to the actual uh, casualties and impact on people's lives. Why do they think this is just numbers on paper? Okay, a few things. Um, first, you mentioned that uh, people uh, in, in less fortunate countries with less prosperity, more poverty, are going to be affected by these policies. Of course, that's true because a lot of agricultural products are global commodities. So when we artificially drive up the cost of production of this or that grain, this or that source of calories, it has a global impact. And of course, we know there are parts of this world in which people are struggling and even failing to have enough prosperity to even put sufficient calories on the table for themselves and their families. So this, of course, will lead to more hardship, more starvation, more disaster for the very people that our governments typically claim to be concerned about. Um, now, um, you mentioned tone deafness. Uh, uh, again, I'll get on my soapbox and speculate as to motivations. I can't read the government's mind any better than you guys can, but I'll give you my two cents. I just think as we go into this direction of disconnection, between government and the population and the citizens and a, a diminished degree of accountability on the part of the government via increased centralization of control, consolidation of power in places like D.C. or Ottawa, where I live, people become more tone deaf to take your term. They're not accountable. They're not concerned because they are becoming detached from consequences. So. I just think this will worsen mm. until there is some sort of consequence faced by those people who impose these abuses upon us. Hold that thought. We're talking with Robert Krychek. He is a, a journalist with Breitbart. And uh, we're going to continue this conversation on the other side of this. What have the Canadian farmers already been up to? Why did the government feel the need to step in at this point? We're going to ask those questions and a lot more coming up after this very quick break. We'll be right back.
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Have you ever replaced pronouns in the Bible such as who, whom, whosoever, ye, you, etc., and replaced those words with your name and therefore you personalize the Bible to yourself? Do you do that? Is that a safe way to read the Bible? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, Bible complexity. Mechanics study motors. Architects study design. Linguists study syntax. But for the most part, Christians don't study the how-tos of safe biblical interpretation called hermeneutics. Secondly, Aquinas. In the Summa, we see the caution. Aquinas says of the Bible, quote, the manner of its speech transcends every science because in one and the same sentence, while it describes a fact, it reveals a mystery and thirdly a tough comeback. I know it seems plausible to simply say the Bible is a love letter straight from God to humanity, but wait a minute. A sentence or a paragraph in a love letter has context. Yes, with great caution, we can personalize some context, but remember, when you're at the central figure in the Bible, God isn't, and that's just wrong. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to do some Bible reading. Wouldn't it be great if everyone read the Bible regularly? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Robert Krychek is our guest. He writes for Breitbart. In fact, there's a story you just published, Robert. Welcome back to the show. I want to get to that in a minute uh, about the USDA, if I can transition to that. But let me uh, stick to this uh, story in Canada first. I was watching some commentary from Canadian farmers, and uh, and this particular farmer was saying, listen, we already look for ways to reduce fertilizer use because it's in our best interest to maximize our our business. And so we're always looking to be more efficient in, in the use of fertilizer. Use it when it's necessary, not when it's not. Why does the government feel like they have to step in now? Is, is Trudeau's government just showboating, just trying to appease, you know, his uh, the globalist cause? I mean, like... Or, I mean, I don't know. I guess I'm trying to understand because the farmers seem to think they got this. They don't need the help. Uh, again, I can't read Trudeau's mind any better than anyone else. I can tell you what they're saying. Trudeau and other government officials like himself are expressing concern over what they describe as cl- uh, climate change and global warming. So ostensibly, all of these proposed controls are about saving the planet from doom. Now, there is a consolidated push uh, by multiple governments towards this end. And we're seeing it in the Netherlands, like you mentioned, seeing in Sri Lanka. We're also seeing it in the U.S. Of course, climate change is a major driving pretext of the Biden administration. Now, as far as what uh, Canadian farmers are doing, I went to a rally demonstration recently in downtown Ottawa, which was in support of the Dutch farmers' protests. And people that I spoke to there saw these global interconnections. They understand that there is a broader aegis from the so-called United Nations, from, uh, let's say, Agenda 2050 or whatever new year in the future is this uh, target from the so-called World Economic Forum. 
And remember, the prescription, the remedy, the medicine is always the same. Greater centralization of control, further erosion of individual freedom and responsibility, and um, just this sort of technocratic, presumably, control over the rest of our lives. And, and, and again, just want to link it to American audiences. The reason it's germane is because this same ethos, this same ideology, this vision is ubiquitous. And, of course, the... Uh, the dominant flavor of your current executive branch in the White House. Um, let me bring this in. So recently we saw that uh, the Canadian government requires uh, an app. to. Ha- you have to have it in order to travel back and forth. Uh, and there was this famous video of this uh, woman trying to come into Canada, Canadian citizen who had been vaccinated but didn't have the app. And uh, they still confined her for 14 days. I mean, it seems bizarre. That's a that's a CCP China kind of thing. Um, why would the Canadian government adopt such control uh, as the CCP would advise? I mean, we've seen it in Australia. Now we're seeing it in Canada. It just again, I just feel like it's very bizarre to see Western countries adopt and embrace these ideas. It's very draconian. Perhaps I'm a little bit more jaded or cynical in some ways than you are because I actually don't find it surprising. I sort of expect this to continue and worsen and exacerbate. So, again, the pretext here is that people can't be trusted to be free in the context of what Mm. they call the COVID-19 pandemic. I describe that as an enterprise. And by the way, just before I forget, I kind of want to have one common denominator unifying theme between what I view as these criminal enterprises there's always a financial dimension and particular beneficiaries to all of these government decreed restrictions. So whether it's so-called green technology or the so-called green transition, to use your word, um, or whether it's uh, ostensibly public health in the context of a viral outbreak, there are always going to be interests, individuals, companies, organizations, and government that financially benefit from that control because you know, these injections aren't free, right? These green technologies, so-called, are not free. So so I guess I'm just using that familiar follow-the-money type ethos, even mm-hmm. though to, to go to a very broad theme that you guys describe or, or, or touch on regularly, I do think that material acquisition and love of money are actually subsidiary components of a broader thirst for power, which I relate to a sort of spiritual conflict that we are now in the midst of. Now, uh, Brian Lilly from the Toronto Sun is uh, saying that he thinks uh, Trudeau will call an election this fall. If he does, what would that mean? Uh, You have to forgive me, guys. I don't have particular familiarity there. I will defer to Brian Lilly. I love him, revere him. Um, I would hope that that would lead to some sort of erosion of power held by the so-called Liberal Party and its uh, allies, the so-called New Democratic Party. But uh, we will we will see in time. Okay, I hope the Canadians vote well. That's all I'm going to say. I hope so too. Um, Let's switch subjects altogether. You put out an article yesterday. Florida Education Commissioner says USDA trying to hold poor kids hostage with food program to impose transgender policies. What's going there? Yeah, so we had Manny Diaz on the radio on one of our Breitbart radio programs on Sirius XM. And he was describing how the Biden administration via the USDA 
is threatening to withhold funding for food programs at public schools across your country if they don't comply with what they describe as the so-called uh, transgender inclusivity program. Now, of course, I don't even accept the premise that transgender is a legitimate term. It's a nonsense neologism. We can go into that later. But uh, this is all about the usual stuff that you and your audience, I'm sure, are familiar with, that somehow Florida schools, in order to get that money from the government, that they're obviously paying for, their own Floridian residents are paying for this, right, through their own federal taxes, need to uh, change bathroom regulations and allow boys into girls' bathrooms as long as those boys claim to identify whatever that means as a girl or vice versa, the destruction of sexual segregation in child's uh, sporting events, um, and worst of all, the integration of indoctrination that they describe, they meaning the Biden administration would describe as curriculum or education regarding so-called transgender realities and just overall sexual corruption of children. You know, it's interesting because I think this is going to be one of the main techniques they're going to try to cram down their their policies or ideologies into states here in the United States that are more conservative and don't want these things. I, I would think abortion's next on the agenda here. Um, but what I, I have to imagine, DeSantis isn't going to stand by idly and just let this happen. Now, what's the plan? Well, uh, last I saw, and it was included, I think, in that article that DeSantis signed, maybe it was a month ago or maybe two months ago, might have been April, um, a new bill, which was called, if I recall correctly, the Parental Rights and Education Bill. Mm. And I didn't go through the details, but presumably it empowers parents to have more control over what their children are subjected to. And even earlier than that, I think he banned so-called critical race theory from being integrated into Florida's education system and being imposed on children to, of course, as we know, sow the seeds of racial and ethnic discord among children and to have them at one another's throats with this neo-Marxist oppressor versus oppressed paradigm rather than having kids love each other, get along with one another, understand one another, become friends, regardless of race or ethnicity. It's absolutely disgusting, but... You know, we're all familiar with that. Is this going to spread to other states? Are they threatening other states besides Florida? That I don't know. And yeah, this this was the case. It wasn't directly targeted Florida. Florida was um, in the news more focused on because of DeSantis's rising profile as he is sort of a leader on the conservative side or dissident side in challenging some of these so-called woke orthodoxies and programs, but it will apply to all states. The USDA was saying that this is a guidance or recommendation or decree affecting all school food or lunch programs. I forget the exact term you guys used to describe that, who don't comply with this guidance recommendation to impose these corrupt curricula upon children. Where is Canada on the – so in comparison to the United States, where is Canada when it comes to embracing the sort of woke ideologies in the school system? How do you guys compare? Well, I want to make a distinction between the Canadian public and the Canadian government. Sure. I'm sure that also applies in the U.S. Yeah. as I don't think the American government is broadly reflective of the actual population that it ostensibly represents. And that goes to what I was saying earlier about this growing disconnect between actual Americans and their government, and of course the same is true up here, actual Canadians and our government. Now, systemically, in terms of our institutions, 
my view is that we're a little bit further along this path of depravity and corruption than you guys are. Not that much further, but in a way, we sort of give you a preview of what to expect. So on the subject of, you know, so-called critical race theory, so-called transgender ideology, it's definitely integrated in public schools that, uh, uh, that I know of in this city, both through my own research of official statements issued by public school boards and through parents that I know who have kids in the system. So you've got this uh, pronoun nonsense. You've got this racial and ethnic agitation, both in the uh, curriculum and in the actual policies of school administrations. For example, like there's a local school board here in Ottawa that openly states, and this has been the case, I think, for 15 years at least, that they will have different methods of standard enforcement among their own staffers contingent on what their race or ethnicity is, given this arbitrary hierarchy of oppression that we're all familiar with. Wow. We're getting down to the wire here. Uh, last question. Uh, so given this disconnect, do you think it's possible that uh, you, we can get to a, back to a point where governments represent the actual desires of the people? Joe, of course, if I didn't believe that was possible, I wouldn't do this for a living. <laughs> so while, of course, I have some concerns about the near future, uh, I do believe the future is not written. The future is for us to define. We are given God-given agency and freedom to carve our own futures. And let's just hope, as you said earlier, that Canadians make the right choices going forward, and more broadly that we as a species make the right choices going forward to a more moral, lucrative, prosperous future for all of us. Amen, amen. Praise be to God. Robert Krychek has been our guest uh, from Breitbart. You can check out his great articles over there. Uh, if you go to Breitbart.com and search for Robert Krychek, uh, you'll find a whole list of them. And I encourage you to check out the one on the USDA. It's uh, very troubling information. We have to push back on that. Robert, thank you for your time today. We're very grateful to you. God bless you, sir. God bless you, too. Cheers, guys. Bye. All right. Have a great day praying for Canada. All right. That's going to do it for hour number one. If you can join us in the second hour, David L. Gray is going to be on from the Gray Report, davidlgray.info. And we're going to talk about the purported miracle, the Eucharistic miracle in Mexico. What's going on there? Did it really happen? Did it not? We're going to have that conversation coming up. If you can't join us, come back tomorrow, same time, same place. We'd like to see you. We're going to have another great show. Until then, God bless you. God love you. Share us with a friend. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question. Should pastors and churches place expectations and obligations on the congregation? Your average non-Catholic evangelical would say no, maybe even no way. It might be said, we do not need written order, discipline, or expectations. Those should derive from personal desire and from the Holy Spirit, not from a church. Or, each Christian's conscience should be sufficient for correction and discipline. Or, the Holy Spirit will personally lead each believer as to what church or to attend and certainly how often they should go. So here's your three best friends tools for Catholic evangelism. Natural law says human society cannot be well-ordered nor prosperous unless it has legitimate authority to preserve its own institution, the Bible. Secondly, the Bible, which says in multiple places such as Hebrews 13, 17, obey them that have the rule over you. And thirdly, the Catholic Church says when we are properly ordered, we will be capable of resisting conformity to the contemporary demands of unhealthy individualism. So obligations, much obliged. Our family has spanned the centuries and the globe. With God's grace, we started hospitals to care for the sick. 
We establish orphanages and help the poor. We are the largest charitable organization on the planet, bringing comfort to those in need. We educate more children than any other institution. We developed the scientific method and founded the college system. We defend the dignity of human life and uphold marriage. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are transformed by sacred scripture and sacred tradition, which have guided us for 2,000 years. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the sacraments and fullness of the Christian faith, Jesus started our church when he said to Peter, the first pope, You are rock, and upon this rock I will build my church. So if you've been away from the Catholic Church, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. We are Catholic. Welcome home. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox. Goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and get signed up today. Hi, I'm Peter Lombardi, owner of Visiting Angels Senior Home Care. You are listening to KSHJ AM 1430 in Houston. Radio for your soul. Joe McLean, so good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Oh, Canada. And I've only been to Canada, I don't know, maybe three times? Four, maybe? I've been there one time. Really? As a layover. Where'd you go? Uh... Somewhere on the East Coast? I, I don't remember. Oh, yeah. You want to know something tragic? What? Yeah, I went to... Uh, I've been there a couple of times, three, four times, something like that. But one time, I went up there to... Uh, You're a draft dodger, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I no. I no, it. Montreal. I went to Montreal one time and on one of my trips and toured the city with my dad. This was many years ago. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever because I went to an ATM, put my card in there. It was all in French. And I had no idea what it was saying. I was guessing on the prompts. <laughs> and it spit money out at me. Oh, I was like, this no. is the greatest. And they were in Canadian dollars. So Dang it. I'm like, this is brilliant. I had no idea how much money I lost in the process, in the transaction. <laughs> I, think I, I think it was on leave from the Marine Corps at the time. So we're talking the 90s here, early 90s. And, you know, but here's the tragedy. Going to Montreal, I didn't go see St. Joseph's Oratory. Ooh. Yeah. And then I live... It gets worse, okay? It gets worse. Then I lived in New Hampshire for 10 years. Easily could have driven back to Montreal. Not once. Yeah, you know, that reminds me of uh, uh, one of my stories. Mm -hmm. I uh, went to Colorado, Denver, Mm -hmm. and I didn't go to the original Chipotle. What? Yeah. And I hired you anyway? My bad. What? Yeah. I'm just learning so many new things. It's 10 in the morning, so too early for burritos. (laughs) (laughs) Is it really ever too early? Yeah, like really, seriously. Adrian, you ever been to Canada? Nope. Never been. Mm -mm. Well, let's all go. Many places, just not Canada. Let's go visit Alan. I've been to Japan. Yeah. I've been to Israel. Okay. But uh, not Canada. Not Canada. Oh, Canada. Canada's on my list of places to go. Yes. I want to go see a number of places, mm-hmm. and but most mostly, I actually have some friends in Canada that I want to visit. Yes, so. my wife has uh, a whole branch of cousins that live up there, so uh, it would be great to get back up there someday. Although under the current circumstances, I don't know how that would be possible because uh, I'm not going to download the Canadian app because they ain't, ain't doing it. 
Uh, but anyway, it, we did have a great conversation with Robert Krychek from Breitbart there about Canada, their fertilizer issue that's now boiling up. I didn't. I meant to ask, hey, do you think the Canadians will protest like the Dutch farmers, which have been lighting their hay bales on fire, blocking roads and such? Still to this day, they're doing this. Uh, which in Texas, they're like, call you is send that hay back to us. <laughs> Or like their cows are starving and they're having to sell the, the, the cattle off because of the drought here in Texas. Uh, so at any rate, uh, we don't know what will happen there, but it is getting more and more interesting as a result of that. But if you missed that conversation, let me encourage you, check out the uh, the podcast feed at grnonline.com forward slash CDT or on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or on the Guadalupe Radio Network mobile app, which is the best way to listen to the podcast of Catholic Drive Time because you can also get the live feed from your local GRN radio station and the contact information, programming information, and so much more. When you download the GRN mobile app, just look for the Guadalupe Radio Network in your app store and download that today. That'd be great. Praise be to God. But did you guys hear about this purported Eucharistic miracle in Mexico? Yep. You hear about this? <laughs> I'm just chuckling. Why? Yes. Um, I saw it and I thought it was mm. fake. Yeah, what? Same. No. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Naysayer nanny over here. Immediately I thought Immediately? this is 100% Immediately? Like you, you didn't give it any chance no. whatsoever? I, I no. gave it a, a three thoughts. Three thoughts? Mm-hmm. Three. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that's better than Rudy. That's, it's uh, almost an entire <laughs> moment, actually. What made you immediately think it was fake? Just because you just refused to believe her? No. I, I thought it was fake because mm-hmm. if you look at the video... Yeah. Everybody's just kind of looking around, mm-hmm. kind of goofing off. Are they? In the presence of our blessed Lord. You think so? Which that is, to me, immediately like, okay, this is already a weird video. <laughs> uh, I Secondly, I hate when people take videos in adoration. And thirdly, okay. you can see a person ahead, a uh-huh. few rows ahead, with a phone out, uh-huh. recording the monstrance as well. Uh-huh. And uh, if this uh-huh. miracle was true, they yeah. would have released their video too. Bias much, Rudy? I'm just curious. So Bias much? <laughs> I'm just curious. That's just my Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> Adrian, maybe you can there. find us a video that we could show the audience on the live video feed. But joining us right now to discuss this is the infamous David L. Gray from The Gray Report. Good morning to you, David. Guten Tag. Auf Wiedersehen. How are you guys doing? <laughs> that, that's goodbye. You, we're, <laughs> guten Tag. Or tschüss. Tschüss is it. Guten Tag. You can say tschüss. Okay, I'll say the Wiedersehen for the end. That's okay. right. Exactly. Right. Now, you're going to Germany pretty soon. Praise be to God. I'm very jealous. I wish I wish I could go with you. If you need a if you need a servant or something, let me know. I'll be pa- packing my bags and hanging out. I mean, it's going to be great. You're going to have a great time. Praise be to God. I mean, the Lederhosen, the Strudel. I mean, it's going to be fantastic. Uh, I like how you pronounce all those words. I'll definitely do better. Are you kidding me? We have a we have a listener from uh, from Germany, uh, zero BK, BKR von Rumble, and he probably is just cringing right now listening <laughs> to me try to hack German German pronunciation. <laughs> At any rate, let's talk about the Eucharistic miracle in Guadalajara, in the uh, Mexican state of Jalisco. What is the story here? So, as you guys are talking about the internet. Catholic internet broke a little bit last week when people were um, when this video came out of this purported Eucharistic miracle in, in Guadalajara um, and so we were all under the impression that oh perhaps this may follow the trajectory of other purported Eucharistic miracles where the local priest informs the bishop, the bishop establishes a committee perhaps who goes out and starts investigation um, talking, speaking with people 
uh, maybe bringing in some scientists, just going through the whole process of what we do with purported Eucharistic miracles nowadays. But what turns out to happen, according to the bishops themselves, this was reported in, um, on CNA, the Catholic um, news agency. The bishop says um, his name is he's the same bishop who's been there, I think, over a decade now. And I'll get to that shortly. But he's a cardinal, Jose Francisco from Robos Ortega. Robles, yeah. Uh, OK. Did I did I do the I'm, I'm horrible with English. <laughs> you and me both, brother. <laughs> you know, when I was looking at that story and I saw all those names, I was like, uh, I'm just going to cut it down to Robles. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Same with the Mexican president now. It's like, I'm not saying his whole name. Come yeah. on. <laughs> There's a lot there. Two hours <laughs> later. <laughs> but he says it's a very sensitive issue that some extraordinary element be recorded or made official without the without the ecclesiastical authority knowing what happened. Reviewing the details that have to be reviewed in order to say that it's a supernatural um, prodigious, prodigious act, a miracle. Um, but the Cardinal noted that up to this moment, I haven't received any reports from the parish, Yikes. nor from the priest who led the prayer, nor from the faithful themselves who experienced what they saw. So on three accounts, the bishop hasn't heard anything yet. I find that to be troubling. Now, it's interesting. Uh, dear listener, if you are hanging out with us on one of the live video feeds, you can comment right now. Let us know what you think. Do you believe this miracle is true? Do you think it wasn't? If not, why not? I'd like to know. But, uh, David, are you on the board yet? Have you said one way or another what you think? Do you think this is real or not? Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of with Rudolfo. My spidey senses went off just from the beginning. You know, I didn't make a video about it. I think I shared a link on a great report just because it was news because people were talking about it. Mm -hmm. But what, but what troubled me about the whole thing is back in 2013, there was another reported Eucharistic miracle that this same, I think he was a bishop back then, um, wanted to investigate, and if it, it followed the same trajectory, it, you know, it was people said it happened, but it turned out to be a hoax. So, so here we are nine years later and, um, the video just look kind of, I, the thing about the video, I just didn't know what mm -hmm. I was looking at. Honestly, I didn't know what I was looking at. So like what's mm -hmm. going on, sort of like a balloon going like this. I didn't, I didn't understand. So I, I was kind of, I, I reserved my judgment, but I, you know, my spidey senses kind of went off. You know, uh, Adrian and I were discussing this last week when we first saw the video and, uh, we were trying to, you know, analyze it from videographer perspective because we all all three of us here you know uh we shoot video uh rudy takes pictures uh, allegedly uh so <laughs> there's a lot of alleged things here Not anymore you know, so like if we were if this if this was an in-camera issue that made it look like this how would that uh be accomplished adrian had a theory that it was uh you know, focus peaking here. It was like breathing, focus oh. breathing. We see this sometimes on inferior cameras, not like the Lumix brand, which is the superior one, industry standards, where it just <laughs> locks focus and stays there. Mm -hmm. But maybe like a Fuji or something like that. Uh, Joe, I got a theory. Do you remember when we were, we were shooting B-roll of that radio and we mm, wanted to get some no, flicker? No, I can't remember. Yeah, what was it? Oh, we add, oh, you added it in post, right? Yeah, you can add a flicker yeah. in post. So that would be and my argument. That's what I was thinking if, was... If you were going to fake this, that would I argue when I look at when I see the video, I don't see anything that would say this is happening in camera. Like yeah, I don't modern think that, yeah. cell phone cameras, 
the AI is so good that it's not going to focus peak and breathe like that, right? Yeah. It's going to uh, it's going to lock and stay locked, and everything's going to be in focus. It's not going to be like a non, no shallow depth of field going on there. Could be noise. Uh, I would say if this was fake, it had to be faked by someone in a computing and an editor, post. video editor in post, as we say. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. So it's not even a professional editing. Well, I, I I imagine. I mean, how many videos do we see on the internet these days with like alien spacecraft hovering in the in the skies? And it was all faked by by a ten year old in you know, <laughs> you know, like in between video game sessions. And it's just like it's become so easy. The technology is it's become so user friendly now that almost anybody with the help of some YouTube videos can fake just about whatever they want these days in in in, in special effects. So it's definitely possible to fake that, but what's interesting is it does look like the beating of a heart, doesn't it? And, and Father Mark Goring, he, he had put a video out recently saying that he had someone look at some sort of aspects of the video, and he, and he has said that they had determined that the lights inside the beating heart pulsates like a heart, there's like three, mm -hmm. but it, it sounds like there's some sort of heart murmur involved as well because there's like three lights and then there's a pause and then another three lights. So it sounds like a little heart condition to me. You know, I'm not a, a doctor or anything like that. Do <laughs> you identify as one? Like, I'm just curious. I'm not a doctor, but I identify as a cardiologist. I mean, like, really? I mean, if it was LED lights, because LED lights do cause problems for the shutter uh, in cameras. Right. Okay. The shutter speed doesn't keep up with the frequency of that LED, and it causes a flicker-like thing. But if that's true, then wouldn't you see LED lights that flicker through the whole image, or not unless yeah. not unless, just specified to the host? Unless here's my theory. Okay. So okay, the the people <laughs> were shining a LED light or a fluorescent like light, a spotlight. yeah, like a spotlight onto the host mm -hmm. to try to focus people's attention on the host. I've seen this done many parishes. Uh, Stuvenville conferences the, are notorious for that. Stuvenville conferences, they do that. And the camera mm -hmm. was not set up because it was like automatic, so it was probably not right. set to the correct shutter speed. But it would and have to so not then be you a cell see phone, a flicker, right? But the flicker, it, no, it could happen on a cell phone. Yeah. And the shutter speed, so then there was a flickering, but only on the spotlight. And then humans have a desire for pattern recognition. And so people see the flickering like, oh, that kind of looks like a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of just associate mm -hmm. it with it, even though wow. it's actually not that. So that's my wow. theory. We that's are doing theory. a lot and of this mental is, This is so here. fascinating. I mean, you guys are like, this is like a whole episode of CSI. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are like crime scene investigators with technology. This is amazing. Uh, well, Enhance. We, we are going to go down to Mexico as a team. Uh, we're going to drive there because I can't afford to fly us. So hopefully we'll survive the border crossing. But nonetheless, uh, what, about the, what about the idea? Last question. We're running out of time. What about the idea that uh, Mexico has fallen so far from the conquest of Our Lady of Guadalupe to convert so many millions of souls that this might be uh, a grace uh, to the people of Mexico to say, return to me with your whole heart. W what about that theory? Yeah, I think, I think that's what we were all hoping, right, that this was an opportunity um, for um, for Eucharist to uh, be a new site where we can go to pilgrimages, you know, be a whole 
be a whole thing that will help the faith and help people um, convert back to and to the faith to return. And so many people in Mexico um, have lo- lost the faith, have went to the Protestant and just lost faith altogether. I thought mm. We were hoping this would be a great opportunity, but what it seems to be is another opportunity for people to begin to doubt Eucharistic miracles. Interesting. All right, David O'Grey. David O'Grey.info. Check out. Uh, he has a great aggregator of lots of stories on many topics. I highly encourage you to check it out. David Info. David, thanks for your time today. God bless you. God love Auf you. Auf Wiedersehen. Tschüss, my friend. And uh, coming up next is the game show. If you would like to win some prizes, call right now. 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. I have some friends who are Catholic who say that you don't have to believe everything that the church teaches, whether it's in the catechism or not. Is that true? No, it's not true. If you want to call yourself Catholic, but you want to pick and choose for yourself which of the church's teachings to accept and which to reject, you give everyone else who calls himself Catholic the right to do the same thing. For example, you believe women should be priests. In the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 1577, it states, Only a baptized man validly receives ordination. For this reason, the ordination of women is not possible. You don't believe that. Well, that's fine. I just made this a catechism of your Catholic Church, but not mine. But remember, if you can throw doctrines out, so can everyone else who calls himself Catholic. That gives Joe Parishioner over at St. Doubting Thomas Catholic Church the right to throw out the church's social justice teachings. He doesn't feel like feeding the hungry, caring for the poor, and all that other bleeding heart stuff. Paragraphs 2401 to 2463. I just made this a catechism of his Catholic Church, but not mine. You believe contraception is okay. Paragraph 2370 says contraception is intrinsically evil. Joe Parishioner doesn't like what the church teaches on the death penalty. Paragraphs 2364 to 65. You don't like what it teaches on these pages, pages 505 to 508. He doesn't like what it teaches on these other pages here, pages 610 to 615. Can you see what's happening? I heard it said once that there is a shortage of vocations to the priesthood in the United States, but no shortage of vocations to the papacy. If we don't believe in all of it, if we each appoint ourselves pope and throw out a doctrine here or a doctrine there, then our faith is no longer Catholic. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host... Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show where there are secrets and agendas that we do not tell anyone. Well, except, of course, you. But you're supposed to not tell anybody. All right, so that's the deal. Number one, we like to teach the faith. And we look for teachable moments in the questions where you just might learn something you did not know before about your Catholic faith, and I guarantee you, 100% money-back guarantee, today you're going to learn at least one thing about your Catholic faith that you did not know. Praise be to God. Just think about the bragging rights. And then, of course, we like to have a laugh, we like to have a good time, and our callers are actually amazing. Praise be to Jesus. 
And then we give out prizes, which makes this a winner for everybody involved. But if you're new here, let me explain. You see, I have three Catholic trivia questions sitting before me, but I will not be asking the caller, so they don't need to know the correct answer to these questions, but they could still win the game. And that's because I will instead ask Rudy and Adrian. One of them will give us a correct answer. The other will give us an incorrect answer. The caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And every correct answer will go into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Praise be to God. Our sponsor this week is Theology of the Body, which is a very punny name, don't you think? The winner this week is going to win one of their Blood of the New and Eternal Covenant shirts, which features a chalice of the most precious blood of our Lord Jesus. Just think of the awesome opportunities for conversation you're going to have when you're wearing the shirt out and about, and uh, people ask you, well, what is that? Well, it's a good opportunity for you to evangelize there. Uh, if you'd like to pick one up for yourself, check out Theology of the Body on Etsy. That's T-T-E-E-ologyofthebody.etsy.com. Or connect with them on Twitter, Theology of the Body. And if you're uh, more of an Instagram person, you can go to theologyofthebody.shop. Thank you very much, Theology. All right. Praise be to God. Thank you, Theology of the Body. We are very grateful to you for giving us prizes to give away to our audience. Let's go to the phones. Omar and Santiago, good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. Praise be to God. Uh, I, your, your, your connection's a little bit on the muddled side, so hopefully you can hear us clearly. But how are you this morning? Okay. Uh, we're excited to be here. I, I never thought I'd be here, but I am. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, really, we're having a tough time hearing you very clearly. I don't, I'm not sure why that is, but uh, we're glad you're here, praise be to God. And I think you're from the great city of Houston, Texas. Where do you go to church? Saint Peter, Alexander. Nice. All right, Saint. Uh, I think you said Saint Peter. So uh, I hope Saint Cyril of Alexandria. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. It's tough to hear you a little bit. There's uh, there's like a static or something on the line. But Saint Cyril of Alexandria. I haven't been there in a very long time. Praise be to God. Glad you're here. I I, I guess you know the rules. You know how this game works. Yep. Yeah, we do. All right, praise be to God. Now, just so you know, uh, Brother Rudy has declined to wear a tie today. Um, yeah. So yeah. use that information to your advantage is what I would say. Tells you everything you need to know. Everything you need to know is in that information. I couldn't find the tie this morning. Oh, is that what it is? I couldn't find it. Oh, okay, because the ascot was covering it maybe? It would have been blue, or uh, rather white diamonds on a blue field. If you had worn it. Yes. I see. Oh, no, flowers. But you're not, it's nothing White to do with the game show. Blue field. No. You're not trying to not. send signals to the secret. No. Hashtag Team Rudy. Oh, I wouldn't do that. Is, is, is hashtag Team Rudy trending on Twitter today? I'm just curious. I should go look. <laughs> uh, anyway, good morning to you, Rudy. Good morning. Are you ready to play this game? I'm ready. Praise be to God. Uh, are you sure? I'm ready. Are you, are you sure? I'm ready. All right, Somebody let, said they want SpongeBob references. Let us start with an easy question, okay? Okay. Uh, who is John the Baptist's daddy? John the Baptist. Man, I'd be proud of him. Uh, well, that was Zachariah. Zachariah? Yeah. Zachariah's your answer. Yes. John the Baptist's dad was Zachariah. Zach. You're going to go with that one. Yep. All right. Adrian, uh, could you tell me who is the baby daddy of John the Baptist? Who was the 
Um, interesting way to put that. Okay. Um, the father of John the Baptist. Yeah. I wouldn't use the word baby daddy, but okay. I mean, I guess that, <laughs> technically that's accurate. Was actually Philip the Presbyterian. What? Mm-hmm. Who? Philip the Presbyterian. Philip the Presbyterian. Mm-hmm. Are you sure? Yeah, he gave birth to John the Baptist. Really? Mm-hmm. He did. Yeah. Well, I mean, his wife did, oh, obviously. Yeah. Okay. But he was the father Thanks of for the baby daddy, as one might say. As one might say. Is this the Disney okay. canon? All right, so the this question is, is who is John the Baptist's father? Is it St. Philip the Presbyterian, mm-hmm. as Adrian is suggesting, or is it Zachariah, as Rudy has uh, has said? 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Omar and Santiago, what say you? Uh, I think I'd have to go with you. Just have to, right? You just have Survey to. Survey says... Yeah. <laughs> he wanted to go with Adrian. It just wasn't allowed. <laughs> Congratulations. It is, in fact, Zachariah. Who's Philip the Presbyterian? Um, that's the guy in the street. He's uh, at the First Presbyterian Church over there. <laughs> is Not to be confused with the Third Presbyterian Church okay. or the Fourth one. Got it. Uh-huh. All right. I'm okay. taking notes. Congratulations, Omar Santiago. Praise be to God. You're in the cup. You could win now. It's possible. But I'm going to be honest with you. This next question... It's probably the hardest question ever in the history of trivia questions. <laughs> this Unironically. Is, this is the easiest question I've ever had. <laughs> Super easy. This is easily the hardest question ever. Easily. Ultimately the easiest question. Hardly the easiest. Don't you worry. I think this one should be worth two. I almost entries. agree with you. Almost. <laughs> Even if, if they can give us a syllable of the correct answer, they should just go in the This cup. is the easiest question. It's they have no hard. problem this whatsoever. This is advanced stuff. All right, Omar, Santiago, let's see if we can't get you in the cup through this one. We will go to uh, Adrian first. That's me. Adrian. That's my name. I know you have advanced degrees in uh, trivia questionology. Oh, really? So let's see what you come up with I here. I was a once. Uh, what is the term... For a vessel mm-hmm. used to contain holy water mm-hmm. at the entrance of a church. What do we call that? Yes. Well, as someone who has a PhD in vessels. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. It's called uh, vesselology. Mm-hmm. Vesselology. Yes, vesselology. Okay. Yes. The term for a vessel used to contain holy water at the entrance of a church yeah. is an aspergillium. An aspergillium, mm-hmm. you say? Mm-hmm. Ah, an aspergillium. Mm-hmm. Hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rudy, maybe you could tell us, uh, what is the term for a vessel that is used to contain holy water at the entrance of a church? What do we call that? I bet you've never heard of this before. I'm sure I haven't. But it's called a stoop. A stoop. Oh, stupid. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be very astute if you but knew uh, that it was called a stoop. A stoop. Yep. Huh. So you don't you don't subscribe to the Aspergillium conspiracy? No, no. You're in the stoop camp. Soup with a T. Stoop, S-T-O-U-P, you say? Yep. Okay. All right, Omar and Santiago, uh, this is a hard one. Uh, what is the name of this vessel that contains holy water at the entrance of a church? Rudy says it's called a stoop, and uh, Adrian says it's called an Aspergillium. Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Omar and Santiago, what say you? I think it's going to be Adrian. No, no. Go the other one. I'm so sorry. It's over, folks. It's Um, over. Mea culpa. My bad. I'm sorry. It, in fact, is... The correct answer is a stoop, Mm -hmm. which none of us knew this morning before the show. Like, we all learned something today. 
Stoop. Stoop is oh, well? dense. And aspergillium mm-hmm. is the container that the priest uses to carry holy water around in the in the sanctuary. Mm. And it's used for the asparagus at the beginning of Mass. I see. Cool. All right. I've got good news, Omar and Santiago. This next question is easily the easiest question of the day. So praise be to God for that. I think we're getting you in there twice today. Let's go back to Rudy. Rudy, can you tell me? Name one of the gifts of the three wise men that was often used for embalming. Oh, man. Well, if you think about it, it's pretty crazy that they give our blessed Lord things he needs, particularly Mm -hmm. this thing, to embalm. So Mm -hmm. baby shower, they give you a coffin. It's, uh, it's actually myrrh. 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 Yep. Myrrh. Okay. Adrian, can you tell me, or rather name for me, mm-hmm. one of the gifts of the three wise men that was often used for embalming? The gifts from the wise men that was often used for embalming, you say? I did. Okay. Well, I shan't keep you any myrrh. I will instead <laughs> tell you the answer. The answer is... Gold. Gold? Mm-hmm. They use that for embalming, didn't you know? If you've been reading my last will and testament, I expect to be embalmed with gold. In fact, I, the purest gold. Yes. Possible. I mean, the three wise men came. They yeah. said, here's some yeah. gold incense, but wait, there's myrrh. My wife said, but we'll have to sell everything we own to make that happen. And I said, That's okay. and? That won't affect me. I'm dead. Right. Yeah. All right. So gold, you say. All right. Gold. Omar and Santiago, is one of the three gifts that the wise man brought to the infant Jesus... Is uh, that was used for embalming? Was it gold, as Adrian is saying, or myrrh, as Rudy suggested? Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Omar and Santiago in Houston. What say you? Definitely Rudy with myrrh. Definitely Rudy. Yeah. This is wise yeah. Yes, congratulations. Praise be to God. You're in for two. You could win. You could win. You're going to have to tune in on uh, Friday to make sure to see if it's God's holy will. But thank you for playing with us. I'm sorry your connection wasn't 100%. It was a little bit harder to hear you. But Omar and Santiago, St. Cyril's, God bless you. God love you. Thanks for playing our game today. Thank you. God bless you, too. God bless you guys. Have a great day. We're going to put you on hold. And uh, have a great day, whatever you're doing. If you, my dear listener, can join us in the after show, we would love to have you. We're going to conversate about what you want to conversate about. You get to drive that through your commentary. You can find the live video feeds on our website at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. God bless you. God bless Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate 
Wednesday of the 18th week in Ordinary Time. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. To Jesus Christ, our Sovereign King, who is the world's salvation, all praise and homage do we bring, and thanks and adoration. Christ Jesus, victor, Christ Jesus, ruler, Christ Jesus, Lord and Redeemer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God, God and, and to you, my, my brothers and sisters, that I, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my, and my words. words. In what, what I, I have done, done and what, what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my, fault, my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask the Blessed Mary, ever Virgin, all the angels and saints, and to you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. Draw near to your servants, O Lord and answer their prayers with unceasing kindness, that, for those who glory in you as their creator and guide, you may restore what you have created, and keep safe what you have restored. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Jeremiah. At that time, says the Lord, I will be the God of all the tribes of Israel, and they shall be my people. Thus says the Lord, The people that escaped the sword have found favor in the desert. As Israel comes forward to be given his rest, the Lord appears to him from afar. With age-old love I have loved you, so I have kept my mercy toward you. Again I will restore you, and you shall be rebuilt. O virgin Israel, carrying your festive tambourines, you shall go forth dancing with the merrymakers. Again you shall plant vineyards on the mountains of Samaria. 
Those who plant them shall enjoy the fruits. Yes, a day will come when the watchmen will call out on Mount Ephraim, Rise up, let us go to Zion, to the Lord our God. For thus says the Lord, Shout with joy for Jacob, Exult at the head of the nations, Proclaim your praise and say, The Lord has delivered his people, the remnant of Israel. The Word of the Lord. Responsorial Psalm The Lord will guard us as a shepherd guards his flock. The Lord will guard us as a shepherd guards his flock. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations. Proclaim it on distant isles and say, He who scattered Israel now gathers them together. He guards them as a shepherd guards his flock. The Lord will guard us as a shepherd guards his flock. The Lord shall ransom Jacob. He shall redeem him from the hand of his conqueror. Shouting, they shall mount the heights of Zion. They shall come streaming to the Lord's blessings. The Lord will guard us as a shepherd guards his flock. Then the virgins shall make merry and dance, and young men and old as well. I will turn their mourning into joy. I will console and gladden them after their sorrows. The Lord will guard us as a shepherd guards his flock. Alleluia, 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 alleluia. A great prophet has arisen in our midst. And God has visited his people. Alleluia. 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 The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord. At that time, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman of that district came and called out, Have pity on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not say a word in answer to her. His disciples came and asked him, Send her away, for she keeps calling out after us. He said in reply, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But the woman came and did him homage, saying, Lord, help me. He said in reply, It is not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. She said, Please, Lord, for even the dogs eat the scraps that fall from the table of their masters. Then Jesus said to her in reply, O woman, Great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed from that hour. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. <coughs> this morning's Gospel, we have the beautiful exchange between Jesus and the Canaanite woman, which 
I think really outlined for us three beautiful aspects of our prayer life that ought to be present. The first is that we can see in the woman's interaction with Jesus a striking and beautiful balance between homage, respect, and reverence toward the Lord, and at the same time, familiarity. We see the woman reaching out, calling Jesus the Lord, the Son of David, uh, repeatedly. He, she clearly is recognizing Jesus' place as the Son of God, as the Lord. And at the same time, there is a familiar aspect that even when Jesus engages her in perhaps what we could describe as kind of the playful banter when he says, that uh, even the dog, or she says, even the dogs eat the scraps coming from the table. It's been pointed out before that the word Jesus uses there for dog is really like a small house or domestic dog, kind of like a little puppy, you could say. Of course, we know it was common in those days that Jews would use the word dog toward Gentiles in a kind of derogatory way. And Jesus here engages her on kind of the familiar terms but at the same time softening it with this kind of reference to a puppy. And the woman kind of, in a way, you can say, holds her own ground and kind of engages in the banter and says, well, but even the puppies get to eat the scraps that fall from the table. But we can see this kind of twofold, her, her reverence, her respect, and her homage, and at the same time, the kind of intimacy and familiarity that, that Jesus invites us to in a relationship with him. Of course, we know that is nowhere more true than here at the Holy Mass when God comes to us under the appearance of bread and wine and allows us to receive him on our tongue or even in our hands. Really, this kind of familiarity that God has with us, this invitation to intimacy, but also for us a reminder that we should never take it for granted without paying the proper respect and homage due to the Lord. The second character of the woman's prayer is this notion of humble persistence, which we see in her. Uh, she isn't, in a sense, afraid to make a little bit of a spectacle of herself. She keeps on calling out repeatedly to the point where Jesus' disciples are telling her, please, let's move on from her and send her away because she's causing a scene. She's causing a spectacle. But she keeps on crying out, and she keeps on humbly persisting in her request of the Lord to be able to heal her daughter. I think here we are reminded that, you know, each of us in a way comes to the altar. We come to our relationship with God with our own personal story, uh, which inevitably includes a story of sin, a story of pain, and a story which is in need of healing and redeeming. And here, too, we are reminded that we are called to be humbly persistent in our relationship with the Lord in our prayer life. And thirdly and finally, I think today's gospel also highlights very beautifully, of course, it is the faith of, these, of the Canaanite woman which is acknowledged by Jesus and which kind of creates his response to heal the woman and to heal her daughter, I should say. But we also can see that it's not only an act of faith, but it's also an act of love. That the woman comes in her prayer in a way not for her own request merely or for her own needs, but really for those of her daughter. And I think in that it also reminds us that in our prayer life, in our requests of the Lord, uh, yes, we know very well our own needs and the things that we would like the Lord to answer in prayer with respect to our own personal life. But prayer is also meant to be an act of love or an act of charity toward other people whereby we are ambassadors and intercessors for them 
and we plead with the same kind of fervor that we would have with our own desires, that we plead for others with that same degree of fervor and desire before the Lord. And so, my brothers and sisters, today as we go forward, let us ask God for the grace that our worship this morning in this Holy Mass is an act of faith, of course, on our part, but also an act of love and charity, whereby we bring the needs and intentions of others fervently and with great desire before the Lord, trusting that he is the Lord who can answer all of our needs. Amen. Trusting in our Father's love and mercy, let us bring our petitions before him. We pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, for his physical and spiritual needs. We pray to the Lord. We pray for all bishops and government leaders, that they would be inspired by the wisdom and counsel of the Holy Spirit in all their decisions. We pray to the Lord. We pray for the sick and the suffering, that they would be given consolation in their faith and the courage and perseverance to unite their sufferings with Christ on the cross. We pray to the Lord. We pray for our family, friends, and benefactors, for all those who have asked for our prayer, for those joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio Media, and for all those enrolled in the Salt Mass Association. We pray to the Lord. We pray for an increase in faith and charity in our life, we pray to the Lord. Lord and for those intentions that we hold in our heart. We pray to the Lord. Lord Merciful Father, we thank you for hearing our petitions and granting our prayers through Christ our Lord. Amen. I heard the voice of Jesus say, Come unto me and rest. Lay down, thou weary one, lay down thy head upon my breast. I came to Jesus as I was, so weary, worn, and sad. I found in him a resting place, and he has made me glad. I heard the voice of Jesus say, Behold, I freely give the living water, thirsty one, Stoop down and drink and live. I came to Jesus and I drank of that life-giving stream. My thirst was quenched, my soul revived, and now I live in Him. Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands, for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and good of all his holy church. Graciously sanctify these gifts, O Lord, we pray, and accepting the oblation of this spiritual sacrifice, 
make of us an eternal offering to you through Christ our Lord. Amen. <clears throat> the Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation. Always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, almighty and eternal God, through Christ our Lord. His death we celebrate in love. His resurrection we confess with living faith. And His coming in glory we await with unwavering hope. And so with all the angels and saints we praise You as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenis Sum Celia Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, Qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and giving thanks broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. A mystery of faith. When we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death, O Lord, until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation giving thanks that you've held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world, and bring her to the fullness of charity, 
together with Francis our Pope and Michael our Bishop and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. <clears throat> through him and with him and in him, O God Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Receptis salutaribus moniti, et divina institutione formati, audemus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat renum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, panem nostrum codinianum, Da nobis hodie, et imite nobis debita nostra, sicur et nos dimitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, se libera nos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, and graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. On your stay. Quit holy spectamundi, miserere nobis. Anustei, quit holy spectamundi, miserere nobis. Anustei, quit holy spectamundi. Dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed.
an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you are already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Jesus, my Lord, my God, my all, how can I love thee as I ought? And how revere this wondrous gift, so far surpassing hope or thought. Sweet sacrament, we thee adore. Oh, make us love thee more and more. Oh, make us love thee more and more. Had I but Mary's sinless heart, with which to love the dearest King. Oh, with what bursts of fervent praise, Thy goodness, Jesus, would I sing. Sweet sacrament, we thee adore. Oh, make us love thee more and more. Oh, make us love thee more and more. Let us pray. <clears throat> Accompany with constant protection, O Lord, those you renew with these heavenly gifts, and in your never-failing care for them, make them worthy of eternal redemption through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Crown him with many crowns, the Lamb upon his throne. Hark how the heavenly anthem drowns all music but its own. Awake my soul and sing of him who died for thee and hail him as thy matchless King through all eternity. Crown him the virgin Son, the God incarnate born, whose arm those crimson trophies won, which now The prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. 
be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Spreading the splendor of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Alejandra with special use services at the Arch-